This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Well, it's just gone eight minutes past two o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, and it is the Wednesday that uh, we've all been waiting for when we talk about Judaism 101.9 right after this incredible month of Tishrei that we are now rapidly nearing the end of. Yes, welcome, and it's nice to be back with you, having been away from each other, having not had this slot for a few weeks now, um, due to the Yomim Tovim, it is hard to believe and hard to think about the fact that if we go back a week from today, it was Hoshana Rabbah, we were getting ready for the last uh, double Yom Tov of the uh, season, if we were to go back two weeks, it was just Erev Sukkot. Three weeks, we were in the middle of the week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, nearing Yom Kippur. Four weeks ago today, we were standing ready for Rosh Hashanah, hopefully getting ourselves prepared for Rosh Hashanah. It's hard to believe and hard to think about the fact that four weeks can fly by so swiftly. And yet, the reason is, of course, that they're action-packed. They take us... On this emotional and spiritual and physical roller coaster, we have the ups and the downs. We have the excitement and then some of the difficulties. We have the positive and the seemingly negative forces that come to play over all of this period of time. We have the feelings of um, the upbeat, the singing and the dancing, of course, that culminates the entire event. We have the idea of everybody being together. And then we have the idea of everybody once again going back and departing and leaving each other for a while. And so the emotional and the physical and the spiritual roller coaster that we've been on, that we know as the month of Tishrei, is now nearing an end. And of course, on this coming Friday and Shabbat, we herald the arrival of a brand new month, which really, really puts Tishrei behind us. And the fr- this coming Friday is, of course, Rosh Chodesh, as well as Shabbat. And on Rosh Chodesh, um, the, the last day of the month of Tishrei on Friday, and then the first day of the month of Cheshvan, or Mar Cheshvan, as it is classically known, um, we herald the arrival of the brand new month, and everything changes. And perhaps... Today, we'll just unpack unpack Tishrei a little bit. If we think about going on a long trip, you come home, there is nothing like um, being away, but there is nothing quite like coming back home and the arrival at home and um, unpacking your bags and taking a look at all the wonderful things that you managed to acquire and that you managed to pick up in the place that you visited and the places that you went. And the memories. Of course, you take a look at all your photographs and you take a look at all your pictures and you scan through on your cell phone to see and remind yourself of all the wonderful experiences that you had. Well, that's perhaps what we're going to be talking about today on this version of uh, Judaism 101.9. And I hope that uh, we can unpack Tishrei together. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So, yeah, so what better way to begin today than uh, saying Toda Lashem, as uh, Benny Friedman did for you right there in the beautiful song, Toda Lashem, to thank God for everything. Thank God we came through this Tishrei with um, so many beautiful, beautiful messages and so many wonderful things, as we always hopefully do on Tishrei, but perhaps we're imp- 
uh, obligated in a way to take a look at every one of the Chagim, every one of these festivals and all the things that we felt and that we saw and that we were involved with over this period of time. And as we unpack them to think about what their relevance is and how they have to be integrated into our daily lives. After all, as Jews, we understand full well that nothing is without a history and nothing is without an, an implication and an obligation and an application. Well, there you go for the future. There's got to be something that we take out of every experience and out of every atmosphere and out of every part of this incredible period of time that we have just spent together and that we've just been involved in. And we need to not just unpack it and put it away on the shelf, but actually make good use of it and make sure that all the gifts that we acquired over this period of time are actually well worthwhile and well used. Not only well worth the money spent, but the time, effort, and energy that we put into um, this entire period of time actually um, is brought to fruition and plays a significant and important role in our daily lives from here on in. So let's go all the way back to four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, we were celebrating the advent of the brand new year and coming up to Rosh Hashanah. Well, what is Rosh Hashanah all about in just a couple of lines, in just a couple of words? Number one is it's the proclamation of God as king. And number two is the idea of the renewal of a new year, of something that we keep on saying over and over again in our Rosh Hashanah prayers, that Hayom Harat Olam, the idea that the world was created on this day, um, and in fact, when we think about it, the birth of the world on Rosh Hashanah is actually really marking the birth of man who completed the world and who was supposed to perfect the world and make this world a better place and actually bring God's creations to a completion and to make them all operate and work correctly. That is what Rosh Hashanah was about in a nutshell. If we just think about those two ideas and how we are supposed to, as they like to say in uh, new language, play them forward, how we make sure that they um, carry on and that they are productive and that they continue in our lives, we need to think about what it means to proclaim God as king. Proclaiming of God as king on a regular basis is recognizing that nothing can or would ever happen or ever be in existence without God being there or being behind it or making it happen. And at the same time that we sometimes express our gratefulness when good things, when wonderful things happen, to recognize that it's not just <coughs> the great positive things in our, uh, in our lives that God is behind. God is not just the inventor and the creator of everything that makes us feel good and makes us feel wonderful. But God is actually the inventor and the creator of everything, what we would term to be good, bad, or even sometimes ugly. And a recognition of the fact that everything comes from God and that everything has a rhyme and a reason, often a time we're baffled by the fact that we cannot see those reasons. But the idea of proclamation of God as our king is a firm and a an absolute understanding of the fact that everything 
is from the Almighty. It gives us an opportunity and it gives us the vantage point of being able to stand and take a look at anything and everything that happens and realize that because there is a rhyme and a reason, because there is a personal as well as a uh, an out there kind of a reason for why every single thing happens in the way that it does and exactly how it does, that um, it's not us usurping our role um, at all of um, saying, well, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And uh, what do they say? C'est la vie, c'est la vie, c'est la vie, that just let it be. It doesn't necessarily uh, work that way. It is much more a recognition of the fact that each and everything that happens can be an affirmation of our faith. I was chatting um, earlier in the month to a, an individual who's not well. Please God, all those who are not well should have a refuah shlema. And this individual was um, speaking about the idea of being angry with God. And um, perhaps I'm not getting better was the expression, because I'm so angry with God for causing me this illness in the first place. And if you think about it, that statement is actually a very great affirmation of our faith. Um, and uh, the fact is that sometimes, yes, um, we are really happy with God, sometimes a little angry with God. But at bottom line is the understanding that God is in control of everything, the understanding that God allowed or caused to happen whatever has and does happen to me that's not a negative at all on the contrary it's rather positive because it's an expression of the absolute faith that we have and the absolute understanding that we have that everything that god does he does for a reason and everything that happens in this world happens only because god made it happen or allowed it to happen. I know that it leads to all sorts of complications in philosophy and in thinking because people then start um, questioning as to why um, God can be so cruel. Um, why can God or why does God make um, people suffer, etc.? But it is also an affirmation of the fact that we don't understand the background. We don't understand all the reasons. And very often the things that we see to be the most negative um, sometimes have the kind of spin-off and the kind of result that we least expected and that we could not have foreseen. And that in itself is a, number one, an accolade and a recognition of the fact that God is our king, but at the same time of the fact that we, the mere subjects of the Almighty, are not gifted with that foresight and we are not gods and therefore we are the subjects who have to carry out whatever it is that we promised that we were going to do and the thoughts of posit positive stuff that we were going to carry out during this year, those all have to be done and those all have to be unpacked and put into the right place in our year and certainly in our daily life. And the second point, the idea of the fact that Hayom Harat Olam, that this is a brand new beginning, we often get stuck on things that we have a look at and we think about that get us down and um, they creep into our lives, they occupy space within ourselves and they start unfortunately impacting on our ability to think clearly, to see clearly, to be able to see our way out and they um, start to drive us a little crazy and they become very, very possessive of all our faculties and they 
don't necessarily allow us to be the kind of people that we want to be. And they limit us in such a tremendous way and uh, usually in a very negative fashion. And this idea of allowing all of these negative things to occupy ourselves is, of course, part of the idea of tshuva, of repentance, that we've got to be able to um, uh, number our uh, problems, our issues, and expound upon them and talk upon the, uh, talk about them in order to gain that expiation and that exoneration that we hoped and prayed for uh, during Yom Kippur. But on Rosh Hashanah, we're saying, Hayom Arat Olam. A man was created brand new. This is a brand new beginning. We're starting all over again. Once again, this is a brand new year, not only for the first man who was created, of course, but for man itself, and therefore for me, for each and every one of us who are individuals. We have the opportunity and we need to understand the idea of a brand new chance, a brand new opportunity. And in fact, the way that Hashem designed this world and the way that our lives function, um, if you think about it and you take one step back and you think about just the mere fact that each day is a brand new day and that each day the sun rises and each day we get up and we uh, turn to face a brand new day, it's not monotonous or repetitive, but each day brings brand new opportunities. In fact, each moment you could say, or each, each, each second, but each day is designed in a way whereby we can turn over a brand new leaf. We can start afresh. We have the opportunity each day to say, Hayom, today, Haratolam, today the world is created. Today we're starting all over again. And therefore it is not just a Rosh Hashanah message, but in fact it's a daily message, something that we should and we need to carry out each and every day. And so unpacking Rosh Hashanah perhaps just in these two simple models, number one is recognition of God's divine providence and um, involvement in every single thing is something that, uh, number one, is very humbling, but secondly gives us an ability to really, really extend our faith and our belief system. And number two, the idea that Hayom Harat Olam, that today the world was created anew, that man is given brand new opportunities, that we cannot let the negative and we cannot let the past define us. We need to move forward. We need to make brand new decisions and um, institute them very well in each and every day and every single moment of our lives. So up until now, since uh, Rosh Hashanah, we may not yet have integrated or uh, put into practice any of the things that we perhaps took upon ourselves, even in our mind's eye, uh, during Rosh Hashanah that we were going to do and we were going to get to. Well, today's the day. Today's an opportunity where we can actually say today, the world was created brand new and to move forward on that kind of a basis. We moved on then, of course, to Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, I think if we unpack Yom Kippur a little bit and its effects upon us, well, there are so many uh, different ones, but perhaps once again, just to focus on one or two of the major points that uh, we really lived through and we really went through on Yom Kippur. Firstly, perhaps similar to the idea of the idea of the world being created anew today, is the idea of Yom Kippur being able to be mechaper, to atone. 
the idea that we are always given an opportunity to say we're sorry. We're always given an opportunity to make good. We're always given an opportunity to um, do something over. Yes, time marches on, and you can never get time back. Not one second can ever be made to repeat itself, except, of course, if your clock is broken. But um, in the normal sense, um, we can never, ever um, double back and take back time. However, we're given the overriding factor of tshuva, of repentance, in that Hashem tells us, that Yom Kippur tells us, that when we are mechaper, when we are atoning, and when we are forgiven, and when we've gained that exoneration, we don't only move one step further forward, but in fact, we springboard a lot further forward, in in fact, to the kind of place where we should have been, um, even before we had done wrong or we'd done anything that might have drawn us back. So the idea of being able to repent, the idea of being able to say that we're sorry, is of paramount importance, not only from a Yom Kippur perspective, but on a regular basis. You know, how many people, how many of us are still caught up in the um, idea of not being able to forgive and not being able to forget when somebody does something wrong to you or when you feel that you've been wronged by an individual, an organization, uh, by God, by Judaism. What a redemption it actually is when you can find it within yourself to truly and properly forgive. True and proper forgiveness means that you have the ability to actually literally wipe it from the hard drive. You have the ability to take it and get rid of it absolutely entirely. And once again, it's about not allowing it to define you. Because very often when we cannot forgive, um, not only can we not forget, but it actually boils up within us and it obsesses us to the extent that um, it starts to define us. We become bitter and twisted and angry and aggressive and uh, not very pleasant to be around. And in fact, it starts once again to define our lives and uh, take us down that slippery slope, not only of uh, depression, but um, of all the negatives of anger and of uh, not being socially um, adept or socially able to fit in uh, because we feel that society or individuals or people or places or organizations or whatever it is have wronged us. So the ability to be able to forgive, to be able to say, yes, I may have been wrong, but um, it's wiped clean now is really a very, very big message borrowed from Yom Kippur that we once again need to integrate into our daily lives. And so if that hasn't been done up until now, today's the day. Begin with the um, wiping clean of the hard drive of negativity, getting rid of anything that shouldn't be there, which is the inability to forgive, the inability to cut other people, the kind of slack that we always cut ourselves, and the inability that we sometimes have of allowing these negative experiences and these negative things to actually possess us to the extent that we become bitter, twisted, and unlivable um, in the truest sense of the word. And perhaps then a second idea to borrow from the Yom Kippur experience. And that is that on Yom Kippur, we actually try our utmost to be like angels, to be like the Malachim. If we think about it, the idea of 
Yom Kippur of refraining from eating and drinking and wearing leather shoes and uh, doing all the things that we do on Yom Kippur is really targeted at making ourselves into angels, making ourselves a little bit more spiritual, a little less physical, moving away from the physical. And how awkward it actually is when we think about the uh, real physical side of Yom Kippur that um, people start talking about or dreaming about the foods that they would love to be eating. Can't wait to get to that and so on. And um, we don't really read the proper message of what this idea is actually all about. It's supposed to refine us to a point whereby we understand that the physical, the material, um, the Grob, if you want to, on a Jewish radio show, uh, think about the idea of grobkeit, of grobness, of really being coarse, that that coarseness is diminished in some way. Is that not a target of the Yom Kippur experience? And yet, it's very quick that we revert to our usual coarseness, to our usual physical selves, to our material world, and perhaps on return to work, on return to our professions and all the things that we need to do now that um, all these Yomim Tovim are over. And, of course, it takes a huge chunk out of our work month um, over the duration of the Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Shemini Atzeret, Simchat Torah kind of a period that we need to spend some time really focusing on our attention of not allowing it all to just revert to exactly where it was before. It has to have moved forward spiritually for us if we've done Yom Kippur correctly. And if we think about that Yom Kippur experience, surely it is to shift us a little bit closer to our soul's needs and a little bit further away from our physical material needs or desires. And there, of course, the uh, huge, huge vista and the huge, huge spectrum of different opportunities that are available for our souls, for our neshamas, for our spirituality, for the angelic part of us to be taken to the places that it needs to go. Um, whether it's um, hooking up with a, a shir, learning a little bit more Torah, um, spending some more time doing an extra mitzvah, um, doing a little bit more of self-introspection and self-preservation and self-perfection uh, in a spiritual way, or um, just doing a favor for another. Any one of those um, is just a simple application and way that we can keep our um, Yom Kippur kind of after stance um, in the type of realm that it is meant to be and not allow ourselves to slip back into the physical, the material, um, uh, the lustful, and so on, that we have perhaps um, tried to move away from and have very quickly slipped back into. If we project a little bit forward and we move then to the latter part of the Tishrei experience, well, there was a Chag, a festival called Sukkot. And if we take just two messages out of the festival of Sukkot, I think we could say that message number one is the idea of the Sukkah being a representative of the clouds of glory that accompanied the Jewish people as they came out of Egypt. We're in an Egypt all of our own. We're in a desert of all of our own. And we remember that it is the Almighty, it is God that protects us. And so, yes, of course, this year in Johannesburg, certainly, 
I think we were put to the test um, with uh, pretty cold weather over Sukkot, a fair amount of rain. We were kind of dodging um, the rain clouds or the rain storms um, in order to eat in our sukkahs this year. And um, if we weren't, well, the schach, the sukkah itself, was perhaps swamped or even torn down by that hectic storm that happened um, during Chol HaMoyed Sukkot. All of these things are actually there perhaps by some kind of a design for us to realize that uh, we're not in control of the elements, that there is a power of God and godliness that is over and above us. And yes, there are some people who are subject to those forces of nature every single day. They can't go inside, close up their um, tight windows and, and uh, cuddle up into a warm bed. Um, they're out there in the cold and in the rain and in all of those things all the time. And the gratefulness that we have to have for God's protection and for the fact that we do have um, a roof over our heads, not only in a physical sense but in a spiritual sense, is very much part and parcel of Sukkot. And then, of course, the fundamental name that Sukkot carries when we say it in our prayers is that it is the Chag or the Zman of Simchatenu, time of Simcha. Is that not a very, very real defining factor of the way that a Jew has to unpack Tishrei, to go into the year with a positive outlook, with a joyous um, uh, face, with the ability of uh, that that we we've got to have been infused with during Sukkot, of looking at the simcha in our lives, of the joy in our lives, of spending more time focusing on how we can create and we can make and we can be. Simcha, we can be much more happy and positive and um, simchadik rather than morbid, sad, depressed, downhearted, always looking for the faults, always thinking about uh, the negative being the eternal pessimists, but to allow a little bit more optimism and a little bit more simcha to creep into our lives. I'll be back with you after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. And welcome back. Yes, um, of course, Lashana Babi Rushalayim, and uh, they're sung very beautifully for us by the Miami Boys Choir. Um, Lashana Babi Rushalayim, of course, that is the thought and the theme that we would like to carry forward as well from our Zman Simchatenu, from the Festival of Our Freedom, uh, the Festival of Our Joy, the Festival of Our um, a real, real positive and positive energy that we were supposed to have had during the festival, the Chag of Sukkot. But at the end of that Chag, at the end of that festival, we need to unpack perhaps the hidden messages behind Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah. Is that just party time? Is that just a time when we sing and dance and perhaps have a few Lachaims, maybe even um, get drunk? Is that what Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah is all about. Perhaps we need to revert to uh, the most beautiful interpretation of an event that happened many, many, many years ago in the time of the great sages of Hillel and Shammai when an individual came and perhaps, it seems, in a mocking fashion, was saying the wonderful line that everybody is used to or that knows, teach me the whole Torah while I stand on one foot. Peculiar thing, if you think about it, that a fellow should have phrased his question in such a way. What does it mean, teach me the whole Torah, while I stand on one foot, while I stand on one leg? And it takes on a brand new meaning if we think about the fact 
that the word for a foot or a leg that is used is the word regel. Teach me the whole Torah al regel achat on one leg, on one foot. What is that foot? When we think about the fact that our festivals are called regalim. Perhaps that's where the word regular comes from in English. A regal is a leg. You know, you put one foot in front of the other, and as you take those steps, those are the regalim. But a regal was because people used to go to the temple. They would use their raglayim. They would use their regals. They would use their feet, their legs, to walk and to go for the pilgrimages that were made to Jerusalem. But um, this fellow comes along perhaps unbeknown to most, he first went to Shammai, who uh, didn't give him the greatest answer, but then he came to Hillel, and he says, I would like you to tell me the whole Torah, al-regel achat, I would like to tell you to tell me the whole Torah we usually interpret as on one leg, but perhaps I'd like you to tell me about one festival. I'll, I want you to give me the whole Torah on one festival. Which is that one festival? Well, they say he understood What Pesach was all about, that's when we eat matzah, that's celebrating our exodus from Egypt. Wonderful, clear. I do understand about Sukkot, that's the time that we were in the desert and we lived in these booths and the clouds of glory protected us. Great, got that one too. Um, Shavuot, incredible, yes, great stuff. Got Shavuot too, that I've got down pat. What about this new festival that's kind of addended, appendaged at the end of Sukkot that is called Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah? That one I don't get. What is that really all about? Is it just a part of Sukkot? Is it um, something else? Well, perhaps there if we take a look at what Hillel answered him as well as the fact that we take a look at what Rashi, the foremost Torah commentator, tells us about this festival of Shmini Atzeret, we'll get a great and a wonderful idea. Because Hillel tells him that um, you shouldn't do to anybody else what you don't want done to you, and now go and learn. What is he actually telling him? He's telling him that this festival is all about loving your fellow man. Your, this festival is all about um, caring for other people. That's what this festival is all about. Now go and study, go and learn and see how everything else is actually integrated into and around that mission of Avat Yisrael, of loving your fellow man as yourself. And what is it that Rashi tells us? Well, Rashi tells us that God says, Kasher alai pridatchem. It is difficult for me, your separation. What does it mean it's difficult for me, your separation? Your separation is difficult for me. We usually take that to mean that God says, well, you've been with me on Rosh Hashanah, you've been with me on Yom Kippur, you've been with me on Sukkot, you've been with me. This whole month we've spent in each other's company, I've loved it, I've enjoyed it. The family have been home for Yom Tov, it's been wonderful. But then you tell me you're going to the airport, you tell me you're leaving. You know what? It's difficult to say goodbye. It's difficult for us to part ways and to part company and to actually say goodbye to you. Let's have one last dance. Let's have an opportunity to spend some time dancing, celebrating, being together. Let's really get into 
um, one last dance, a big hug, and uh, a big kiss uh, before we actually part company. But Kashela, I like Pridatchem, could actually be interpreted slightly differently, which is, it is difficult for me your separation. When you go your sep, when you go your separate ways, when you separate from each other, when you are argumentative, when you're finding fault with each other, when you're not as close as you have been at um, these times when you were able to sit together in the same sukkah. Um, whether you were a have or a have not in a physical or a spiritual sense, you were able to be one and together in the sukkah. Kashel, I predatchem is difficult for me when you part from that and when you go apart from that and when you're no longer committed to that. So the explanation of teach me the whole Torah on this one leg, on this one festival, is really one and the same thing, which is all about loving our fellow men as ourselves, doing things and understanding that the real mission at the end of it all is to make sure that we live a decent human life, that we are decent human beings, that we're good to our fellow men, that we're kind to each other, that we are not um, spiteful or hateful or obnoxious, but that we are rather kind, generous, giving, embracing, that we are fair and that we treat all people in the same way, um, not showing any kind of uh, favor just because people um, may be perceived to be great or wealthy and so on, but that we treat everybody in the most positive and loving and caring kind of a fashion, that we show that we understand the message of Hillel, that we understand the message of Rashi, and that we truly understand what Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah was all about. And one last thought is the fact that on Simchat Torah, the whole point is that this is the simcha of the Torah. It is not necessarily our simcha, but it's the Torah simcha. And the Torah says, you know what? I'm stuck in an Oren Kodesh. I'm stuck in an ark, and I've got my two legs that are made of wood, and I'm sitting there, usually and often chained in, that I cannot fall out. And um, you take me out from time to time, yes, wonderful. But um, I'd like to dance. Give me the legs to be able to move. Give me the legs to be able to dance. Give me the legs to be able to move together with you in all your directions. It's not only you go around the bimmer, but as you're joyous, as you're happy. This is truly the simcha of the Torah. And so as we come to the end, as we came to the end of that simchat Torah, um, and we came to the end of all the Tishrei Chagim, the Tishrei festivals, um, it's really about taking all of these messages and integrating them, making sure that they become part and parcel of our lives, that we don't just go back to our default settings of um, misery, of negativity, of being unforgiving, of um, being physical, of uh, not necessarily getting along as we should do with our fellow men, but rather that we have learned the lessons from the beginning of Tishrei, right up until today, and that we have the opportunity now to move forward in our lives with all of these things as part and parcel of our makeup, of our character, of our um, application, of everything that we do um, from here on in. And now we really understand what this period of the Tishrei month was really all, all about. And how in this month of Cheshvan, as we now turn to really face the future, that we can take it, we can integrate it, we can put it into practice, and we can really do an absolute turnaround on our lives 
in the po- most positive sense, making our lives so much more meaningful and making the whole, the whole world a far, far better place and then actually perfecting what it was that we were sent here to do in the first place. Perfection of the world, completion of the creation, and therefore to justify that God made man in the first place. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead, a wonderful Chodesh Tov because it is Rosh Chodesh, as we mentioned, on Friday and on Shabbat. And a Shana Tova, a great and good and wonderful, inspired and meaningful year. Take care, God bless, and we look forward to seeing you back again next week, same time, same place, Judaism 101.9.